0: Happy Thanksgiving,
1: Wilder. Happy Thanksgiving. We are kind of, it's a weird year, huh? Uh, Yeah,
0: it is. It (laughs) is. But do you watch a specific film every year during the holiday season?
1: Like the holiday or something? You know, it's funny. We usually watch Home Alone. (laughs) Really? Just because I grew up with that film.
0: Okay. Okay. Everybody's got something, you know. I don't know what I watch. I usually, between Christmas and New Year's, I shut my company down. And I usually watch all seven seasons of The West Wing while I clean up and I change my passwords and you know I multitask. Yeah, I don't know, but you know
1: it's it's that time of year we're getting to it, right? Yeah, that's not a specific time of year for me to watch. <laughs> all seven seasons of The West Wing. Okay, well, that, and any, that's all any, year.
0: I was just going to say any time of year is good for that, right? So yeah. So last week we did The Social Dilemma. And I have to laugh because you know how you're always like, does anybody say anything or whatever? Yeah. Okay, so here's what I'm just going to read one of the things we got. So Larry G says, Hollister, a new girl. <laughs> I believe that's you. First time I had zero interest in a documentary you reviewed. Debate was nice, but seriously lacking in anything surrounding film analysis. You should write a white paper on the topic and put it to rest. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) You know, it's so funny because it's not really a documentary. It's so important to our future. Each and every human being in this country's future that film is very important to understanding what's happening to us and no one has any interest which is if you think about it not surprising in the times in which we're living right
1: you know that might be true for our audience that's not true for my circle uh it was recommended to me by a lot of people
0: well not like that well my corporate circle around business they're doing it because you know i'm in social media yeah, But my friends aren't talking about it the way they're still talking about, like, Giuliani. Mm-hmm. And I texted my sister and said, instead of spending all this time watching Giuliani's stupid press conferences, why don't you watch The Social Dilemma? And she said, oh,
1: please. Yeah. <laughs> no, and <she's laughs> It feels like homework. I know. It feels yeah, like it, homework. It and is, and, I, and yeah. I get that. Yeah, I, I do get that. And I do, too. Some, some documentaries feel like homework. And, I know. There you go. You know.
0: Now, also, I noticed on your social media that you
1: said, Whose Line Is It Anyway is on HBO. Oh, I just think we all need a good laugh in that show. What is it? I don't even know. <gasps> You've never watched Whose Line Is It Anyway? Okay, so... I looked it up, so I have a little bit of tidbits around it, but
0: what's on HBO? No, is this a reboot of it from... No, no, no.
1: they just the, the old episodes. I was looking for it because I wanted to laugh at something, and that show is hysterical it's, it's an improv show it, it was uh it started uh-huh. in the uk and then in the 90s um drew carey took it over in the u.s and it's just hysterical they do improv games okay well it's on hbo if
0: anybody wants it and it ran originally from 1988 to 1998 and there were a lot of stars that went on it
1: well i think that's the uk version but the, but in the in the u.s version i think it started in it started in the 90s i know it started in the 90s because yeah, i was like okay cognizant uh-huh. Well, it's <laughs> uh, 88 to 98 that would be right because it ran- i think that's the uk version though okay, the, yeah, the u.s yeah. version was in the 90s
0: okay well, and then it's right. been
1: rebooted now with a new host but some of the original cast comes back for it
0: right and i wanted to um, make a comment about the crown season four ah okay i just finished it this morning actually but I think as a feminist and because Screen Thoughts, you know, it's really women in film and we're looking at all those kinds of relationships and everything. I have to look into it and we must review it from that perspective. But the Thatcher-Queen Elizabeth relationship was so upsetting to me huh? on a business level. I can't even tell you. First of all, keep in mind, Queen Elizabeth, has. She, I think she's on her 11th. It's either a ninth or 11th or something. I, I should look it up rather than make up the number. I don't know the number, but it's way up there. Prime Minister. She's never had a problem with any of them. None of them. including Publicly. <laughs> no, she hasn't privately either. And she, it, the only time she went after somebody publicly behind the scenes was Thatcher. And from the minute the woman walked into her office, she was not happy. And all it reminded me of was, you know, I I was coming up the corporate ladder in the 70s. And if I wanted help, I never went to a woman. Because Mm -hmm. there there was only one chair at the table. Yeah. And you wanted it. Now, by the way, I wasn't like that. But I didn't have a lot. I mentored a lot of women in my business career. I don't know why I wasn't like that. But in general, women have not necessarily been kind to women in business environment. So now we move on to Thatcher who by the way was also not nice to the queen, but there are some comments in there like when Thatcher comes home after her first meeting with the queen. Now by, by the way this is all fictionalized, but it's also based on on true threads of of persuasion in terms of what it was like. So she comes home and she says to her husband, she's much more intelligent and well-read and interested than I thought she would be, which by the way, what a cut because everybody knows that one thing you can say about about queen elizabeth is she pays attention to what she's doing sure and she says i think we're going to get along famously although i'm not sure and he said great two menopausal women just what
1: we need yeah (laughs) i mean i i honestly cracked up at that line because it was it's so reminiscent of the times yeah i read that scene a little differently when they met Uh i thought it was you've seen it i didn't know you yeah yeah i I finished it last night okay um i love the royal family (laughs) i know i know i I just i i love i actually don't but anyway yeah we should they fascinate me i just we'll have to review it but what did you think of that scene tell me what you thought of that scene i thought the queen was actually really hopeful in having a female prime minister for the first time i think she was looking forward to having a copacetic relationship there and then thatcher walked in and told her she's not gonna have any women in her cabinet because women don't work well and she can't trust any women and that was the end of that (laughs) well by the way and the woman who took her down was the queen i I, that's not how the show represented it um i mean the queen said leak the story and her sure, but i think that was years before she actually had the vote of no confidence from no the vote of no confidence was i looked it up two weeks later that is not how they represented in the show. Yeah, I thought it is uh, how they did it, actually.
0: But also, oh, if there's you just read, so much you, that
1: happens in between. Well, I know, but if you read, well, with, that's yeah.
0: because Diana comes back in and it's in the same, you yeah. know, because I, I had to go look it up. But if you also read the synopsis of that particular episode, it's episode seven. But if you go and read the synopsis, it says, it was two weeks later, the person who brought her down after 11 years of being prime minister. Now, by the way, they probably were looking for an opportunity. I'm not saying they weren't, but the queen gave it to her and they really started to poison pen
1: her as soon as the queen leaked, which she had never done in the history of her monarchy. No, I, I get that. But they also, they don't show in the show, at least any other significant event that she so, so disagreed with. And when it came to apartheid, it was, it's the event that's worth it. I think. I would agree in my personal belief system that is true
0: but if the queen's constant desire is that she never ever does that then it's not okay i mean it's just interesting and it just made me sick to my stomach these two women didn't elevate each other rather than, and by the way i don't think thatcher was any better to the queen than she was the queen was to her but even the way she was treated when she went up to balmoral it you know i mean this woman did not make it easy for prime minister thatcher to understand where she came from with such different divergent backgrounds.
1: Sure. I, I think that's true. Also, you know, being a fan of history, Margaret Thatcher is not my favorite leader. I know, me neither. Me yes. neither. Yeah. But I didn't want that bias to, to get in the
0: way of the two, finally two women are leading an entire country. And the But Indian I think
1: is- that has to be the underlying aspect of their relationship is, is their core beliefs and their core political beliefs. Right. And ultimately the queen thought that thatcher was doing things to harm not only her country but her empire which was barely hanging on by a thread at that point and she's she's hurting human life and she's she's not imposing sanctions on south africa and morally i think the queen has the the high ground there and i understand that she's not supposed to
0: i just think that her precedence was she had never ever done it even when she's disagreed in the past True, was, but
1: I don't know if that if there's an event that that is so harmful to human life as apartheid was.
0: The other thing Wilder I would say to that is she got what she wanted the queen. In other words, she did do the sanction in the end. So, she didn't need to then release that information. She didn't need to do that. It was a it w- she was angry because Thatcher had made the comment, well maybe I didn't join 28 people. Maybe 28 people joined me. In other words, the queen got what she wanted. And she, I think it was a power play
1: between two women. And that's her loss. Yeah. yeah. I think, I don't know. I can't stop looking at Gillian Anderson <laughs> playing her. I know. I, she's you know, amazing.
0: <laughs> it's so funny. You know, that's very controversial. A lot of people are finding it really, really hard to watch her. I think she's brilliant. But I mean, it is. you is—you know, because she's so, way
1: too beautiful? <laughs> to play margaret thatcher
0: i think it's her voice they're saying the effect that she's is so exaggerated of of thatcher's voice that i don't know but there's a lot of controversy anyway we're not even talking about this today but i did want (laughs) to from a feminist perspective i hope people will watch at least this season even if you're not interested in the royals and have no interest in that over big picture but the thatcher queen elizabeth 's relationship and if you don 't watch it let 's at least look it up and start to look at it now. I did do a little homework, and it turns out that they have interesting, similar fathers who had great mm. influence on them, and both of them came from that major influence and thatcher 's father really disliked royal you know she he felt mm-hmm. you had to work your way up and and Thatcher never felt the Queen understood where, where other pe- people who had not been born to the manor came from. So, I mean, it's just complicated and interesting. And it's that whole feminist thing of, I don't think you blindly support other women. I just think you don't push them to the side because they're women, you know? So uh, there's that sort of middle
1: ground. But anyway, I thought it was really well done. Did you? I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by the show. I really enjoy the show. I think they've certainly dramatized far more this season than they have in the past. I think the, yeah. the Diana-Prince uh, Charles relationship begs for it. Uh, it and it's, the, I think, the first time that the royal family has, like, broken ranks and spoken out against the show. Well, uh, by the
0: way, they're very upset because here Prince Charles has finally gotten his mojo with that awful Camilla. Yeah. And, and and everybody's starting to love them. And they're very concerned that this is going to tank the whole thing. To say nothing of Meghan Markle now looks like she was in a Diana situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, Harry clearly has, well, I don't know if it's clearly, but to me, he's never wanted the crown, right? And he, you know, as soon as Prince George was born, he was like, oh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> There's very it? little risk of this coming yeah. my way. He's no uh, longer
0: heir and a spare. He's no longer the spare. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah.
1: So, but so. this week we're going to review the undoing out of HBO. It's Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant and Donald Sutherland. So you're already interested, right? And the pilot introduces us to this beautiful family in wealthy, wealthy, wealthy New York. And there's a young woman who comes into the private school that Nicole's child attends, and she wants to be a part of this committee that's doing an auction to raise money. But clearly, her child is there, it seems, on scholarship. She's lower income, but she really wants to participate. And she's really unnerving. She's a young woman. She's very intense. She makes very specific movement to befriend Nicole Kidman's character and kind of tries to intimidate her in some odd ways, but also befriend her. And at the auction, we find out that this young woman's had some, something has happened to her. She leaves early. She's upset. And at the end of the episode, it's discovered that she's been murdered.
0: We'll leave it there so we don't do too many spoilers, Yes. But... There's a
1: mystery at the end of the episode that leaves us hanging and it puts some very likable characters into some shadow and question and Nicole Kidman's at the center of this mystery trying to find out what's true and what's not and her whole world has been flipped upside down. And
0: you know I always look at the trailer so I figure if it's in the trailer we can't go wrong mentioning that so. I think that's in the trailer. Yeah it is actually in the trailer but also in the trailer is Nicole's husband is eventually arrested for the murder. Who's Hugh Grant. Uh, Yeah which is shocking to her because she feels they had this great marriage. But anyway, so that's, we'll, we'll sort of leave it there. But let's start with the cast. Because first of all, Nicole Kidman, father is father's played by Donald Sutherland. And after The Hunger Games, hmm. I thought Donald Sutherland passed away. I mean, he was so old in that, in that film <laughs> trilogy that I didn't know he was still around. So I'm so glad to see him looking so young and vibrant. But he played her father in another movie. Do you remember what it is? No. Cold Mountain. Oh. Do you remember that from like forever ago? Another
1: long slow burn. Yeah. Uh.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you have this cast, you've got Hugh Grant, you've got Donald Sutherland. you've got the detective in it, Edgar Ramirez, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, he's playing Joe Mendoza, who actually was a real, he was a real NYPD cop. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Ramirez was a cop. So he's really playing his old life, which I always think is sort of cool. Right? Yeah. I think that's cool. I like him a lot. I think he's really good. And then I think the star in terms of acting is Matilda de Angelis, who plays the woman who is murdered. So what did you think of the cast? I mean, do you think the cast makes this palatable or do you think it's palatable because it's a good story plot line
1: or what is, where's your... Oh, I don't think it's a good story plot line. Interesting. (laughs) It's David E. Kelly, who you'll know from Big Little Lies. You'll know David E. Kelly from Ally McBeal, which was one of my favorite shows. Mm. You remind me of Ally McBeal, actually. I remind you of Ally McBeal. Yeah. Sorry. I'm going to take that as a massive compliment. Is, if I can yeah. go dance in a corner with a with a hologram baby, I'll be yeah, really yeah. happy. Uh, <laughs> on, on Valentine's Day, I believe she did that, right? I can't remember, but it was, one of, oh, no, it's it was a her great birthday. episode. It was her birthday. Yeah, It's a great episode. Yeah. I love that show. But, you know, this feels like, to me it feels like Big Little Lies on repeat. Um, it's so funny. Fl- well, certainly the Nicole
0: Kidman character,
1: she's playing the same character, just with longer. Yeah. And she's not, I guess she's slightly more active in this one, but she is very much the receiver in this. Everything happens to her. Yeah, but in everything in the other one happened to her, too. Yeah, and I, I'm just, i just, she's stunning. Like, you can't look away from her. She's oh, my just, God. Well, the, you know,
0: the camera eat, eats her up and it always has. Yeah. But interesting, because in Big Little Lies, her best friend was played by Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. And Reese's energy... You know, Nicole was devoid of energy, and she was always expressive around this bigger-than-life Reese Witherspoon next to her. I always felt like Reese was sort of, you know, plugging in the fuel tank and filling her up, you know, and then she'd go for a while. Okay, and in this, it's the same thing, you know, because she's
1: got a side With Lily Rabe yes yeah
0: lily ray by the way i love that character in this show i think she's wonderful i think she's crazed she's brilliant she's all over everything she drags her kid i mean but reese witherspoon treated her child the same exact way lily treated hers it's the same character
1: yeah i have a feeling we're maybe moving towards it not being the same character uh
0: (laughs) maybe maybe but we'll know. see yeah. we right. don't know
1: we, this is very much a who done it and i have lots of theories of who could have done it well we, neither one of us
0: have chosen to watch the end of this so we don't know how it right, is. right. Okay. we've only so seen 4
1: episodes we're
0: right with you yeah and so there's six. two more episodes of 6 yeah. right so we don't know who done it so we can also speculate at this point with who did it and you don't have to you know please know we have no idea but they're trying to lead us down these paths if it could be anybody. Do you think it's somebody that's already on the screen? I think it has to be somebody
1: that's yeah. already on the screen. Otherwise, what's the point of the show? <laughs> I also have a real problem with how they treat Nicole's character. She's supposed to be a therapist, right? And her husband, Hugh Grant, when we're introduced to him in the pilot, he's a child's oncologist. He's a pediatric oncologist. So first of all, how... You can't find a more perfect man. He treats children for cancer. But now Uh,
0: he reads them books and he cries and like...
1: Yeah, and he's Mm -hmm. funny and charming and and he's he's Hugh Grant, except, you know, as a doctor who treats children with cancer. And obviously at the end of the pilot, like all of that's thrown into question and, and who is he really... But you were talking about Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman's a therapist. Yeah. Right? And we see this in several scenes that she is... She's kind of brutal, right? She, she doesn't really suffer fools in her therapy room. She gets to the heart of the matter. She tells them what they don't want to hear within the truth and challenges their own perspectives. Yet she's completely incapable of doing that for herself.
0: Um, oh, I don't know. I think she talks the talk. I just don't know that she walks the walk. You know, she says, I will never go back to him, to her father. I mean, she she talks
1: the talk, but I don't know that she walks the walk inside. I think that's Well, true. I... I think that her husband is certainly a different man than she thought he was. And being a therapist, you think maybe she would have picked up on some hints throughout their marriage (laughs) that he's not quite this perfect Prince Charming. And maybe she's trying to convince herself. I don't know. But I think it's quite the commentary on this very accomplished female character who spends her entire career helping others see the truth and yet is completely incapable of seeing it herself.
0: Well, who wrote it? Do you know who wrote it?
1: It's written by David E. Kelly, okay. who also wrote Big Little Lies.
0: Okay, but here's the thing with David E. Kelly. And maybe, and now I'm going to have to look at Big Little Lies too and see if it's the same thing. The thing that stands out to me most is David E. Kelly has an issue. And in my mind, the issue that he has is that he hates people who don't take responsibility. Because there are so many times where Hugh Grant goes out of his way to place blame on, well, she became obsessed with you, Nicole, or, you know, like Uh he has no responsibility for anything that he did or any action or any repercussion for what happened, zero. But in this way that is so much bigger than all the other nuances he's trying to place. And I'll bet you anything, if David A. Kelly was in my shrink office, I'd be able to say, who, who didn't take responsibility in your family? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a huge issue for him. And he definitely brings it to the forefront, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think Hugh Grant is very much, you know, this charming character who's never been held accountable for anything in his life, right? Except for maybe some of his patients. But he's charming and he's been able to weasel his way out of any issue in his entire life. But I also, I'm a little worried and we've got two episodes left, so we'll find out. But I'm really hoping we're not going towards crazy lady area yeah. for this. I'm, I'm Since really- Since
0: grants the only guy, could well, no, it could be the f- husband, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Okay, but here's, here's my question. Ready? So the, the song, the opening song is Dream a Little Dream of May. Mm-hmm. Who sings that song? Nicole Kidman. Okay. Oh, I can't believe you knew that. All right, we're gonna stop. Right have now. you seen Mulan? No. Well, <laughs> I did. Yes. Okay, but here's- her voice th- is stunning. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna stop right here, and we're gonna have you um, listen to Nicole Kidman telling you why she's singing that song at the beginning, and then we're gonna give you the first few lines. And we'll put the link to the song in the podcast description because it's certainly worth watching and downloading. It's really fabulous. So so we're going to take a moment right here. So about a month before we we're about to lock picture,
1: Susanna Beer calls me and says, um, I've had an idea. I want you to record the title sequence. And I was like, absolutely not. Um, and then she said, you have to. And then I went, Okay. Stars shining bright above you, night breezes seem to whisper, I love you, birds singing in the sycamore tree, dream a little dream of me.
0: Okay, didn't you love the way she did that song? Wasn't it amazing?
1: I thought it was beautiful. I actually, when I first heard it, I was like, "Is that is that Nicole
0: Kidman?" You knew. Age? I see. I didn't know right away. Never. I never occurred to me until I read it.
1: Moulin Rouge is one of my favorite movies. Oh, cool.
0: So you think? Yeah. I mean, she ha- look at her portfolio of work. I mean, Nicole Kidman is, I think, one of the greats. I do. You know.
1: Well, and Nicole Kidman's company, Blossom Films, produced this. And so I'm sure she had a big hand in But didn't she do happening. Big Little Lies too? I think she does the second season of Big Little Lies, but I don't ah. think she did the first. Oh, uh, okay, good. Um, well, and also,
0: yeah. you know, Reese Witherspoon in The Morning Show produced that. I mean, when you look at it, it's really one of those sort of interesting. I love that women are producing more and more. And I love that they're producing content for women. I do. I love it. I love it. I love it.
1: Yeah, I'm actually, I'm certainly benefiting from that. I work for an actress and we are intent on finding material and it's not just for her to star in. We're very much looking to produce across the board, but it's also to find those roles that women don't get anymore, right? Especially older women. We're really focused on finding material for women over a certain age because those roles don't exist, and there are so many incredible actresses who are you know, now over the age of playing like young mother or hot young vixen that they can be so much more interesting and actually sink their teeth into a real role. I'm curious about Nicole's intent behind this. I think where this goes will probably shed light on to that and also it seems like she's probably got a really great relationship with david e kelly and wanted to and Suzanne exactly. Beer's a wonderful director like there's a lot of aspects of this that make sense as to why she chose to do this it just it does feel a little repetitive with her character from big little lies um, so i'm curious if the ending is maybe going to shift that uh into into some new territory It'll be
0: interesting to see, but also I thought it was a great opportunity for Hugh Grant, who doesn't get anything other than the nice guy. From you know, that's not uh, true. Did you
1: watch *Very English Scandal*? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I loved it. I thought he was fantastic. Well, he was, but in
0: this, he doesn't look good. He doesn't act good. He doesn't sound good. I mean, you know, he's not a likable character, and. I think that's really an important moment. You know, I think he needs to do more of that so that he doesn't get, you know, any more hemmed to than where he's been in his career, you know.
1: He's spoken about that, actually, that for a long time all he took were, you know, the rom-coms and being that charming leading man and it really limited his career and I think now he's looking for those roles Yeah, I agree. to spread yeah. his wings a little bit. And he's great at it. I mean, he's a great actor. Yeah. He truly is. And his balance with Donald Sutherland, I think is really fantastic.
0: Now there's a scene, it's right at the beginning too, so we're not giving anything away, but Matilda D. Angelis is, she's from Game of Thrones, by the way.
1: What character does she play in Game of Thrones? And she's from
0: True Blood in 2008. I watched she's both gay, those shows. How do I not recognize her? Uh, she's in 2011 in Game of Thrones and she was naked in there. And there's there's a lot of nudity. There's a scene where she's naked and she's in Nicole Kidman's face. And it's very uncomfortable for Nicole Kidman, and it's very uncomfortable Even when you're watching it, you're uncomfortable. You know, it's just really in your face kind of nudity. And here's what she said about it. She said her nudity in this series was deployed with intention. Her character always needs to be at the center of attention. And sometimes nudity is just a way to make that happen faster and more easily. She said nudity in this case is really functional to the story it's not for free, it's not for granted, it's not unnecessary. It's really important to make Grace, Nicole Kidman, feel uncomfortable and the spectator too. You always have to wonder what she will do next. She's really, really unpredictable and she's really mysterious and her being naked is a statement. And mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. It is a good way to sort of show that part of her and I think it worked in a very strong way. I,
1: I thought it really did work. I agree. I think, well, also she's stunningly gorgeous so that's not hard to do she is that is true
0: okay so are you saying wilder you would not recommend this
1: i don't know i think there's certainly an audience for it i gotta tell you this is like the height of white rich people problems (laughs) and i have a tough time watching that but so is big little lies and people freaking loved it and like part of it is the voyeurism right of getting a look into what that life is like and i think You know, they certainly, I mean, literally every single meeting that Donald Sutherland takes, I think, is he at the Met? He's at an art museum where he's sitting in front of this beautiful painting and like, like he owns the place. And maybe he does. He could own the place. He has that much money. But that's my issue with the show. There's not a lot of diversity. It's very much like these people are so wealthy. They want for nothing. And yeah, something bad happens in their lives and it's tumultuous. It's very cliffhangery. It's begging you to click to the next episode. To me, that feels there's not too much substance underneath that. It looks great. The show looks incredible. All of their apartments are stunning where they live. Every location that they utilize, their wardrobe, everything about it is so beautifully, specifically stylized to this type of life that I think it's definitely interesting. And to watch these people go through something horrific, I think is, you know, some kind of schadenfreude that taps into some deeper desire of all of ours. But I don't know that this is something we need to go out of our way to watch. I don't know that it's important. And I don't know that it's, you know, dramatically different television. (laughs) But if you like Nicole Kidman and you like, thrillers mystery thrillers like you'll love this show and there's nothing wrong with the show it's just it doesn't feel like there's anything really new about the show to me
0: oh well nothing new okay here's what's new i think the way first of all you know i'm from new york city my child went to a private school in new york city and and i lived in a way that is not unlike the way they lived and i don't see that often portrayed properly in the screen and it is the way it is At least that was my experience. But is
1: that necessary? I don't
0: know. I do. I,
1: I think it is. I think it's a window into something
0: that people can definitely understand in that weird kind of way. But I think part of it is important to see that it can crumble as quickly. You know, you think somebody who's built up that kind of situation, like you think Donald Sutherland, who plays her father, is going to be able to fix it. And I... Think it's just interesting that you know he might not be able to,
1: so but he definitely has the ability to try, and I think we yeah. see that right he, there's so much more opportunity within this world. There's a strategy amongst the legal team, and I won't get into it so you guys can watch it, but there's certainly the privilege. You see the extent of what money can do for you, yeah, absolutely.
0: But also, her father, the museum he's sitting in, is the Frick, and the, I think the piece of art he's staring at is important cuz he's always staring at the same piece and i can't i can't figure out which piece it is but you know it'll be interesting to see later if it has a role in what this is all about so i think it might be the beheaded piece that's in the frick anyway i love the frick and people they go there every day for lunch they go there on their way to work it's a crazy 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 but accurate portrayal of how Some people in New York, you know, get, get fed or
1: something. Is it like the Met where it's a donation system or do you have to be a member or? I I don't know. By the way, if you can't afford the Met, you can go in for free. No, no, I know with with the Met, you know, you can donate. Well, the Frick
0: is is a much smaller private collection, but I I don't know. But I guess I'm wondering who has access, right? I, I think anyone has access, but I don't know that they take it. Meaning... I don't know that a lot of, you know, everybody goes to the Met when they come to New York from anywhere. Sure. But they don't all go to the Frick. You know, they don't know about it. It's much smaller. It's a different kind of collection. It's, you know, more obscure. But anyway, I just think it's an important show because I think it does give insight into that which a lot of people don't have access to. And so whenever you can learn about the way a group of people live, especially these titans who rule the world, you can understand why they shouldn't you know so for sure. me one of the reason I like it and the reason I you know um, you know I went to the University of Nebraska and I sent the link to a bunch of my Nebraska buddies that I went to college with and said okay you can watch this and you'll get it in a way anything that gives you a window into something that you don't have access to I think teaches you about how things work so I like it for that reason also I think the cast is worth watching for no other reason than that
1: yeah I do think the cast is amazing. I mean, obviously, I don't think the show got it right, but I also think that's why people watched Gossip Girl, you know, yeah. um, to, oh, to yeah. have a glimpse yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. into yeah, that world. Yeah. And and that's, I think that's my issue with the show is that it, it feels like an adult... <laughs> gossip girl <laughs> yeah no i got you totally totally so
0: all right so one of us recommends it and the other one's not sure if she recommends it would is that fair to say
1: yeah i think that's fair to say i mean i'm gonna watch the last two episodes you you got me into episode four i gotta know who did it <laughs> I, I have know. i have my own ideas yeah, yeah and i have like 800 of them i think she did it to herself i mean just to screw hugh grant over but that's just me <laughs> Well, also, she, you know, she could be a little crazy, but it's also completely here, impossible with how she died. But that's fine.
0: But the other thing is, you know, should this have been a a one and a half hour movie? Did this need to be
1: six episodes? I don't think so. I mean, I think they don't make these kinds of movies anymore. I know, I agree. you know, and I I think there's a reason for that. Uh, yep, I think they want to keep your attention. <laughs> hey, we're going back to the really boring. I think, I think also documentary we did last week. <laughs> but even more important i think what it does is
0: it amortizes out the cost because the cost to run this it's 6 hours mm-hmm. uh, so that would be three movies otherwise the cost of well doing no three- i mean
1: they wouldn't have if they were going to do a movie it would have been an hour and a half or 2 hours
0: right so by virtue of the fact that this is 6 hours I think it's more cost effective for HBO or Netflix or whoever's doing these to do these six-hour series because they get six hours and the budget for it is less than if they had done three individual films.
1: Yeah, that's true. Actually, I'm working on a, a limited series right now, which which is a similar kind of yeah, situation. Exactly. I asked one of my contacts out in Hollywood
0: and they said, that's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can amortize the cost down and get six hours when they're trying to get hours an hour, they're trying to get you in there as often and long as possible. So they're taking some things which probably would be better suited for film. And the last thing we re- remember when we reviewed the Queen's Gambit a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And we talked about whether that should be a film or did it need to be that many hours. Now I'm beginning to see this pattern of let's make series because we can get a lot bigger bang for the buck. It's like when you make lasagna, it's four meals.
1: Well, and the other thing, and this is just, you know, inside baseball, right? Is when you're asking someone to do a limited series, it's a similar shooting schedule to a movie usually. So it's a similar amount of time, but you're not asking them to do it for multiple seasons. So it's for one three month period that you're going to need them but you're not asking them to do it every year, right? For a limited series. So they get paid probably similar to what they'd get paid for a movie, maybe a little bit less because it's television, but they have the same amount of work and they end up making six episodes. They get a lot more screen time and then they're not asked back for another season unless it's big little lies and they've decided to do it more than once.
0: (laughs) And by the way, and they should have left it at one.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Except for Meryl Streep. Any opportunity for me to watch Meryl Streep, I'm going to take it.
0: (laughs) and she's and she's grateful that you do so we're gonna gonna leave you all with this and look forward to next week but interesting week i mean interesting show interesting stuff going on you know
1: yeah i think we've all got thankfully a lot to watch while we're cooped up at home not i mean i don't know if you're with your families or not with your families but while covid's you know Striking yeah. all over the country. Yeah. Let's curl up in front of our televisions. Yeah, seat. absolutely. So let us know what you're watching over the holidays, and we'll post it. So have a
0: good Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah.